welcome to the Let's Be Naked podcast. We're so glad you're here. We are your hosts, Jenny Lynn Newell and Michaela Hale. And we created this space to engage in uncomfortable conversation from a place of wholehearted compassion alongside a vibrant community of women. We're here to hold space for inspiration, build tools for restoration, and celebrate radical self-love. Let's be naked together. Let's dive into this episode. Hello. <laughs> hey. Hey, um, we have a third person on our call this morning. My really good friend, Megan McCoy, is on. And um, Megan is from Des Moines, Iowa. Um, Megan and I met through um, Jackie Mary Beth's company, Rock Your Bliss. I don't even know how many years ago now. Four. Four? Okay, yeah, it's been a hot minute. Oh, Megan. All the nice things I could say about Megs. Um, so Megs came into my life through Rock Your Bliss um, and has greatly expanded my relationship with her through all of the retreats we've been on and programs we've done and constant communication that we're in. Um, and Megan's been had a really incredible journey over the last couple of years. I'm really excited to have Megan on. Um, and I'm really excited to hear more about her trip because I have heard about it a lot, but I also know that there's always nuggets that I missed out on. So welcome, Megan. Welcome, oh, Megan. <laughs> I'm so excited Megan, to be here. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. I really want to know what you had to do to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Like, what did you have to do to train? Hey, Megs, can you start even further back, though? And can you start with how the trip came about? And how you got to go on it? Yeah, so um, the big goal was um, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, um, which is in Tanzania. Um, Funny enough, when I decided I wanted to go climb it. I actually didn't know where it was. So I had first things first, before anything started, I had to Google where, where it was and then figure out where Tanzania was. Um, obviously I knew it was in Africa, but it wasn't exactly sure what part of the continent it was on. Um, so I figured all that out. Um, the way that it came about this origin story is really, really fun to me because it really starts by me doing the work that's really important for me in the world. And so um, a little background about me, my full-time hustle is at Lululemon. And I am a huge uh, advocate and leader of our vision and goals program. So when I started with the company four and a half years ago, I really started digging into the vision and goal work, which obviously connected me with um, Jackie Carr. And that leads to Mary Beth Leroux. And that leads to Rock Your Bliss. And just a number of other um, kind of outlets that really have that same language, that same, those same tools um, and conversations. So um, I'm the type of person that when I decide something is my thing, it is a big deep dive. I need to read all the books, listen to all the podcasts, talk to all the people. Um, so that's kind of how that all started. And really what it developed into was um, me starting to lead the work on my own. And so it started off with my team at Lululemon and offering our vision and goals work through there and then really cultivating what does it sound like for me to lead it on my own, Um, really heavily influenced by Lululemon, um, influenced by Rock Your Bliss and a lot of these other tools that I've gotten. And um, I'm kind of a firm believer in in all things are borrowed Um, and then lovingly like taking in what works and what sounds the most authentic for how you reshare it. So I've done a lot of work in that. And then... Um, I had a gal ask me through Lululemon to do a workshop for her event that she was bringing to Des Moines. 
um, Sarah Buchanan. Um, she's from Kansas City. And she was bringing an event called Indulge to Des Moines, Iowa. And she needed Lululemon support. And then she also asked me to be a speaker. So I um, obviously said yes and was really excited. And this was going to be the first time that I had really offered something outside of uh, my company, like in a really big way. And so um, I got my workshop together, delivered it. And there was a lady in the back. And she's this blonde lady. And I saw her come in and she had this energy and presence that kind of you noticed her. And I mean, there was a ton of people. I think we had like 70 or 80 people at this event. Um, and I noticed her and then she sat in the back and she had this look on her face the whole time I'm delivering my content that either I was like the dumbest person she'd ever seen because <laughs> she just had this look that she's like, she was definitely scrutinizing everything I said, but really what she was doing was she was kind of in her way was like taking it all in. Um, and just like making it all in her way, go through her head. And, and she um, ended up being the keynote speaker of the event. So I didn't know it at the time, but then she got up later and um, she ended up being like the kind of the, the end of the whole thing. And um, her name is Janae Fromm and she owns a company called awesome climbs, which she leads people up Mount Kilimanjaro um, with uh, leadership and development um, sort of programming as you climb. And I didn't know anything about that, um, that she did that when she started, because she also has a company where she leads work keynotes and all kinds of things. So she gets up and um, in this very like master facilitator speaker sort of way, takes all of these things that I had said in my core values workshop and layers it into her content and just sort of takes the whole day and makes it all connect and, and, piece together and, and just kind of knocks it out of the park. And so afterwards I was like, well, I need to know this woman. Um, <laughs> I'm a firm believer in when someone's a, a master at what they do, um, go learn from them. So ask them a few questions, get what you can. So, um, we had connected like right after kind of on social media and then, um, kind of like laid low for a little bit. And, uh, it was in July. I sent her an email and I said, Hey, um, I just need to ask you three questions. And so just a little nugget, just so she didn't feel overwhelmed. Um, I was like, I need to ask you three questions. So I sent her an email and she emails me back and she said, I've been waiting to hear from you. And um, I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> so um, she emails me back. She's like, we need to get on the phone. When are you free? I'm traveling a little bit, but we put a, we put a day on the calendar and we zoom called um, face to face. And I sort of, just let her know that I wanted sort of her expertise and guidance in um, me creating my offerings in the world and what it looked like to be a coach um, language for my website, all kinds of things that kind of, you want to have your, your ducks in a row when you go and, and, you know, launch it into the world. And she was unbelievably generous and, and helpful. And at the end of the call, she just said to me, so are we doing this? And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? She's like, so we're going to be like, I'm going to be your mentor. You're going to learn from me. We're, we're doing this. And I was like, uh, yeah. Okay. Great. You're We're like, doing hands up, legs up, feet up. Yeah. I'm like, yes, <laughs> all, all, all in. Um, and so what was interesting about this and how it gets back to climbing the mountain was, um, that was never, that was never on my radar. Um, I knew she did this. Um, in fact, the first time we had a call or the second time we had a call, she had, um, just come back from, from a climb and she told me the whole story. 
it was, I mean, it was obviously an incredible thing, but it never like registered with me right away. But every time I talked to her, she kept saying to me, like, when are you going to come climb with us? When are you going to come climb with us? And so, um, there's a, uh, there's a quote from the, um, Lord of the Rings, or excuse me, it's from the Hobbit where Gandalf says to, um, Frodo and he comes and gets him for this adventure. And Frodo's like, or excuse me, um, Bilbo, I guess is the Hobbit in the, let me get all my characters straight. <laughs> Gandalf says to Bilbo <laughs> that, um, he comes and gets him for this adventure and he says to him, he's like, um, you know, Hey, do you want to come do this? And Bilbo's like, absolutely not. Are you, are you kidding me? We're going to be late for dinner. Like it's not comfortable. Da, da, da. Then I was kind of that same way. Yeah. Like I was kind of that same way. I was like, mm, you know, like that seems cool, but it also seems kind of scary to be quite honest. Like I, I wouldn't consider myself an adventurous person. Like that's not how I would describe myself ever. I'm actually pretty cautious and pretty like I enjoy my creature comforts. So, but Janae was my Gandalf and she just kept planting that seed. And finally, um, Lululemon was doing, or finally I, I put on my goal sheet, I climb Kilimanjaro and someone in our company found out about it. Uh, my store manager, Kim Cavanaugh, um, she's the greatest of all time and forever. She is. <laughs> <laughs> just like eternal shout outs to her. Um, she found out about it. Um, there was also this program through Lululemon called Goal Funding. And, um, because Lululemon believes that their people, um, should be living their most whole, happy, fun, um, goal oriented lives. Uh, they create, give funding to people and I was nominated to receive money and I won. So actually about a year ago, like last week, two weeks ago. So we're coming up on a year. I found out that I won the money. Um, so it was like $5,700 from Lululemon to go. And that covered my whole trip, my flight. Um, and that really afforded me the ability to go. Um, so the rest of it was on me, but I can't say no to $5,700 and the opportunity <laughs> what of a an amazing so, that's amazing. Yeah. Yep. Well, and it's amazing that you, and it's amazing that beyond, beyond the money, the amount of the support and what you received in order to even be able to walk that journey. Like you have this, you have this really strong community. You have leaders that are supporting you. You have someone who reached out who actually wanted to be your mentor right away, which is so mm -hmm. incredibly cool. Also because you were brave enough to ask, not even yeah. ask to be a mentor, just ask for the wisdom, which yeah. I think sometimes like people pass over. I think sometimes we feel like people are so much higher than us or they're mm -hmm. on a different level or they're wiser or they know more or why would they want to do that? Or why would they want to connect with me? And it, sometimes all it takes is one question and asking someone earnestly and then your whole life can change, which is what happened. Like, I totally feel that's what happened to you. Like, yep. yeah. you had one experience, you were courageous enough to ask one question and be earnest about it. And then all of this stuff flourished from that. How long did you end up training for this experience? So you won, so about a year ago is when you like found out you got the money and then what in Des Moines, what did your like training plan look like? <laughs> and how long did that happen before the trip actually? Yeah, I get that question a lot. Um, I, if, if anybody doesn't know, because um, you probably haven't been, um, Des Moines, Iowa is the most vertically challenged location you could probably train from. Um, we have a really steep hill over a couple blocks away. That's about it. Really what it looked like. So January, I found out, um, I train pretty much year round just to be, just because that's a part of my life and a part of my values and what I love to do. So I'm a pretty big time CrossFitter, um, amongst other things. So 
Um, I didn't have to alter anything too much too drastically right away, but um, March was when I decided to get outside and start my like hike training. Um, so what was really interesting is I purchased my boots. The f March 1st was my first hike outside and it actually snowed in Iowa, um, which is something that it does in the spring. <laughs> so um, normally that's a like really annoying thing that happens. This past year, it was really great because that means I got to test out my boots in snow and my socks and some layers and see what happened. So everything really leading up to it is kind of like trial and error. Like, what are you comfortable in? What's going to be warm enough? What are the layers that work? So I started that. So I would hike like two to three times a week. And what that looked like was trying to get on, try to just get, it's time in your boots. So time so that you can break them in first and foremost and then just on your feet so that you're used to that and then you're used to that duration of time just like walking so Kilimanjaro is not the most like physically strenuous mountain it's not you're not kind you're not like climbing like crawling or, or what people call scrambling all the time there's actually only like kind of one spot where it's like that it's called the Barranco wall um, but other than that you're just walking really really slow um, for a very very long time so you have to get used to that um, the other biggest part of my training was um, uh, since you're going to be so uncomfortable for such a long period of time, that was the mentality that I took into training. So um, within the realm of CrossFit, it was, um, we have these things called hero workouts and they're really long and they're really hard and um, they honor a, a fallen veteran. So it's a, it's really cool to do those workouts um, just because they mean something bigger than yourself. Um, and then see, it's like, okay, you just have to put your weight vest on, which is usually what I trained in. So we had this thing called vest day. So I'd put my weight vest on and then I'd just be uncomfortable for like anywhere from 20 to 40 to an hour, um, 20 minutes, 40 minutes to an hour. That's usually the duration. Um, and we did all kinds of stuff. And so I did that at least once or twice a week and then just regular CrossFit workouts. Did you, did you notice that the, um, when you were actually like on the mountain, what did your experience? So when you were training for the experience, like in anticipation of an experience that you don't, you've never been there, mm -hmm. you are going halfway across the world, never been there. And then you get there and you have all these other circumstances beyond like the weather and how long you're walking every day. Did you know kind of like what the schedule was going to be like for your for your, um, like each day, did you know like how long you were walking and like how long, how many hours that was so that could inform your training or did you not really know that? Did you train in the hopes that when you got there, you'd be able to navigate everything? Does that make sense? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So I kind of knew, you kind of know going in that you're going to be walking anywhere from like six to eight hours a day. Okay. So, um, and I guess like I have a sport background, so I've been an athlete my whole life. So the way I've always trained is, um, this is actually a Michael Phelps like methodology. He, his coach talked to him about um, deposits in the bank. So every time I trained, I consider it deposits into the bank. Mm -hmm. So um, from like March until I left in August, I was just making deposits in the bank so that when I got there for like the eight hour days or whatever, I was able to make a big withdrawal and, and be like, be fine. So it's always like, obviously like training for capacity and then like hoping your capacity is enough. What was interesting is I was definitely fit enough when I, when I got there. Um, the days though ended up being longer than they were scheduled. So it was like a six hour day actually ended up being an eight hour day an eight hour day ended up being a nine hour day. So what's really cool about having the mentality of just kind of like, 
one rep after the other, like long and arduous training is you can, you can kind of take that extra hour and like, you're going to be okay. Like, you know, you've done it. Um, you know, you've suffered for long periods of time. You can kind of like keep, like, it's going to be fine. <laughs> so what do you think was the biggest mental shift between like getting, like getting the money, knowing that you were going training for that physically, but then what happened what was going on mentally for you? Like when you, when you went through training here and then when you actually landed on the mountain, like what, what ended up shifting in your head? Because I think it's really interesting. Like, I think that you were prepared for the physical, but maybe the mental sort of caught you either caught you off guard or was more than you thought than more important than you thought it was going to be. Yeah. And that's actually a good point. So physically speaking, like I was above and beyond prepared. So I won't say that it was easy. Um, climbing the mountain is really hard, but when you're really prepared, you're prepared. Like you can do it, right? Like you, you've done what it takes. Um, for me, the physical part, like you said, like that's an automatic thing. Like I was really excited to do it. Um, I have incredible friends who will also put weight vests on and do workouts with me because they're just as like, oddly (laughs) wired as I am. Um, we call it best day is the best day with your bestie. Um, (laughs) And so, and I, I, yeah, you're right. So like I have this incredible support system. So yes, that part came automatic. Um, the biggest mental shift, and this was such a profound life lesson for me was they say on the mountain, pole, pole. And that means slow, slow in Swahili. So Um, I knew like they had kind of told us this and this was like, you can read it in different things that you find out about Lula or excuse me about Kilimanjaro, like, um, pole, 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 pole. And and so when I was training, um, in CrossFit, you try and go as fast as you can. And so you try and get as much work done in, in the least amount of time possible. Um, and so it's always like intense and, and fast. Um, in my life, I tend to be like going, 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 what's the next thing we can do? Um, it's funny. There's a, there's a saying, actually I have a sticker on the back of my laptop that says go fast, don't die, which is probably <laughs> the exact opposite. It's a motor, it's a motorcycle company. They're called go fast, don't die. I have their sticker and a shirt that says it. Um, I love their branding, but, um, that's kind of how I would like, that was my normal operating like system and procedure was, um, like let's go all out hundred percent. Um, the more you do, the better, um, that was always like a training methodology as well, which is a good way to get injured. But so pole pole is this huge mental shift for me in, we went outrageously slow up the mountain. It was like one foot in front of the other. And I was actually, I actually climbed with two gals that were um, like 61 and 59. um, And they were incredible, um, but they had to go a little bit slower. Like their physical capacity was just a little bit less than, my 26 year old self. Right. And so, um, typically I walked behind them and it is a outrageously humbling experience to walk slowly behind two other people for seven days. <laughs> like, um, and we did this, um, activity the first morning before we climbed and it was a journal and it said, I am my best self on the mountain when, and then it was like, okay, ask yourself, When things get hard, as they do, when you're really uncomfortable, who are you? What is your best self? What's the best version of you in the response of all that? Um, When you reach the summit, what's the best version of yourself look like? And so we kind of had to ask ourselves this question. And I went through and I answered it very honestly. And 
um, I just said, you know, when I'm my best self, my ego is quieter. Um, I'm patient. I'm really kind. My best self is a very cheering um, person. I'm your biggest fan. Like, you know, when I'm my best self, I can lift other people up because I have that sort of energy and that pull from people. So I, we, I just wrote all this stuff out. And what's interesting when you write it out and you answer your question that way, when you come into that adversity and you have to say, okay, uh, you don't get to respond as an asshole in this situation <laughs> um, because you, you've already identified like your best self doesn't get upset when someone's slower than you. Your best self says, come on, you can do it. Let's go. So that was a really important mental shift for me um, to be in choice when, um, when you're in this, like obviously this microcosm of, of just seven days climbing the mountain. But then when I came back, it was, okay, who's your best self now? Like, you know, when, when things happen and are you clear on what that is? So first you have to ask yourself who it, what it is, and then, you know, be clear on it and then keep responding in that way. Um, so that was a huge shift. And then, you know, coming back to pole pole, what was really cool is like, it took us longer, but it still took us seven days. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, and it's amazing that you can go so slow and still accomplish something that amazing. And that is really important to me when I come back because oftentimes I feel this sense of urgency to, you know, accomplish things in my career or personal life or anything. And it's like, um, why, why haven't you purchased a house like yesterday? Or why haven't you, you know, gotten this promotion like two days ago? Um, and, and so it kind of gave me this like huge perspective shift of saying, you know, as long as you're put, you're keep working and you're keeping putting one foot in front of the other, um, and giving your best effort and being your best self, like things are going to be accomplished. Like you will get to the summit, um, and it'll happen. And so that really helps me calm down and, and take this like urgent sense that comes from life down a notch. Um, and I can enjoy it a little bit more. So Love that's that. the mental thing. So can you tell, like walk us through what it was like approaching and reaching the summit and what that felt like for you? Oh yeah. So what's really funny is, um, so Kilimanjaro is a, it's actually a volcano. So you start your summit bid, um, at 1130 the night before. So you start climbing at night. Um, you it's switchbacks, which means you go from one side to the other, to the other, to the other. So you zigzag up. There's a ridge that you get to, and that's called Stella point. So what's interesting is you're freezing cold. You're really tired. You get to this top and it really actually feels like you've reached the summit. Like you kind of get there, you look around, you're like, this is beautiful. This is amazing. And you feel like you've, you've arrived. And what was interesting with my group is, um, we had this incredible woman named Tony and for her to get to the summit, um, like I said, she's like 61, um, for her to get to the summit was a human achievement of a physical feat. Like I've never seen, like I've watched some people do amazing things athletically. This was like watching someone seriously push the limits of, of human potential just because she had this drive to do it. And so um, Tony's husband had actually unfortunately passed away like two years. I think it was two years before she climbed. And so she had this purpose of taking um, a, a vial of his ashes to the top. And so it was kind of like for, for her, it was, it was, she couldn't really just turn around and stop. Like she had this, this purpose. So she kept pushing we made it to sell a point and for her to go any further would have been really dangerous and our, our guides wouldn't allow it. So we had a ceremony for Tony. We held hands. Um, 
they played some music. It was really a, a really beautiful thing. And like, that could have been it. Like that would have been awesome. Like I could come home and tell the story of that achievement and then, and nobody would have known any different that it wasn't like this. And it was an accomplishment just to get there. But on Kilimanjaro, the actual peak is called Uhuru peak. That's the summit. And it's only 445 more feet to the top. So um, you have to go 445 more feet. It's like an hour and a half to the summit. And it's like the best and worst part because you have to put ice shoes on. It's slow. Like you feel like you're going to fall. Like you, you're starting to really feel altitude. And it's really like, all right, are we going to do this? I, I don't trust a single human being that tells me I'm almost there. Like at all anymore. Like in my life, if someone says you're almost there, I'm like, mm -mm, you're lying. You're full of it. Because people would come back. So they had reached the summit and they would turn around and come back and they're like, oh, you're almost there. Keep going. And I'm like, you guys are such liars. Like I can see how far it is away. Like, and it's not getting any closer. Um, you're totally lying. Um, and then you get there. And really it's like, it was, I don't know, just this like sense of, it was just very calm and peaceful, honestly. Like we just got there and it was just this like, wow, I had made it. I made it with these people that were now had become really special to me. Um, Janae and Steve from like to get there to the summit with them, like who, you know, it's their company and their purpose in life is to take people and have this achievement and to be there with them was, was incredible. And um, I took some very special mementos up. Um, I had a, She's actually not a biological grandmother of mine, but um, a very special person. She had passed away the week that I found out that I was, I got the money to go. And so I took, um, I took a, uh, her funeral um, card and I took it up to the summit with me um, and left it there just as a, like I felt closer to her there. So um, that was a really special thing in the summit that you can celebrate life and the circle of it and honor people and, a huge accomplishment. I don't know. It kind of encompassed a lot, um, for me. So do you think that, how did you, so then I always think about what, what happens after mm -hmm. then you always think, because it's this amazing thing and you're, you're in it for a year, like making yeah. it happen, like really long time. And you're in it with these people when you're on the mountain and you're climbing and you're, you can get all the way to the top and you get to this place. And then it feels, then you feel this peace and then you have to start your way back down. Yeah. Then you have to get on the plane mm -hmm. and you have to come back to normal life. And then how do you, I don't even want to say like, hold on to like, you're not like a grasping, but like, how do you take that experience and hold it lightly in your hands and then decide how that's going to inform how you're living now? Mm -hmm. Because, it, because I think for you, it was, the, it was, prof, it was, that trip was one of the most profound moments of your life thus far. And mm -hmm. I do think that you're probably still holding it gently in your hands and letting it inform what you're, what you're doing. How do you think that's like come into like how you, cause bef before you left in the trip, you were starting to step your toe into like offering this offering like values and goals by yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and you've really powerfully stepped into it since you've been back. So I'm curious as like what that transition was like for you and if it was difficult and then how you're navigating coming back to like a more like a centered space where you can hold that gently, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. Um, it's interesting because I didn't expect it to be quite so life altering. I mean, when I say life altering, it's, you know, there have been people who come back from this climb 
and they quit their jobs, they move, move countries, they like get married, they do all these kinds of things. And that wasn't my experience. It was a little bit more of a slow burn in how it was altering things for me. Um, it was a really hard come down. So I was in a pretty like just a tough space mentally in that I was like, okay, what now? And making sure every, the things in my life, I had to be careful to make sure things in my, I didn't downplay things in my life. Like they weren't important anymore. So it's, it's an interesting thing when you go do this like amazing accomplishment and then come back and, and not making sure that things still hold their same value. So because just because I accomplished this amazing thing didn't mean my job was any less important or my, you know, my things that I was doing now in my life were less important. Um, it was important for me to make sure I didn't compare them um, because it was a really slippery slope if I did that. Um, so I, I had to kind of compartmentalize of like, this was this amazing accomplishment and these things are still really great and valuable and amazing. So that was important for me to, to kind of separate those. And then after that, it was um, that same question was, who am I as my best self? And really letting these lessons uh, download. So I had to write like a, like a recap right after I came back. And I, I really struggled with it because it was like all of the things, telling the backstory, um, telling the lessons. And as soon as I kind of let that go and was just like, okay, these are going to come out as they come out. Things are going to make sense as they make sense. Um, and so really kind of what I did and it's, it's funny, but it was, it was actually Instagram. That was the easiest thing to, you know, like I would look at photos and one would come up and I would kind of make the connection and I was like, Oh, like this is it. And so I would write it out just like a long caption. And essentially it was like this like mini nugget of this lesson and like all these lessons sort of like laid themselves out. And so I would post like every once in a while as they came to me and, um, it was sort of a cathartic process of like, oh, like that's what that was. And that's what it was important. And that's how it connects to my life. And yeah, so I, I it downloaded slowly. And, and then now it's interesting because people ask to hear my story. And so it's, it's a really awesome opportunity for me to keep thinking on it and keep um, asking myself, what did this mean? What does it mean now? Um, how are you using it to serve other people? And that's really what's important to me. Um, how am I using it to either inspire or um, offer tools for people to use in their own sense? Like they might not be climbing Kilimanjaro or a mountain in general, but like everyone has their thing. And so how am I saying like, hey, these are the tools that I learned. It might be helpful for you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've gotten to speak about it. I've now this podcast, um, when people ask, so that's really a good gift. Do you think that your own, like, cause even, I mean, Michaela and I also both worked at Lululemon in our lifetime. So we both are really familiar with those, with the way that we can craft vision and goals and how that sort of informed us and how we're using it now. Do you think that your trip was able to, I don't, I'm trying to figure out the right word, was able to relax how you discover goals for yourself or how you design them for yourself in order to like hold yourself, hold yourself differently now that you're back from this experience? Or do you yeah. think, do you think you're still crafting them the same way? Just cause I'm curious. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I think, um, what's interesting is cause I, like Lululemon's content is, is, is brilliant. Um, like it is the foundation of the things that I do. And I think just like any tool you, you take it and you, you use it and like, 
it evolves as you evolve. And um, sometimes the tools fall off and you get new ones and they take their time and they live their lifespan. So I definitely think the, the things that I, I, I think I still set goals in the same way. I still have visions in the same way, but what's more important to me now is to pay attention to the things that I think are going to get me to where I'm going. So I think it's, it's really important to, to, to know what those things, like you might not know the, the whole route. And what's interesting is like the route on Kilimanjaro, it actually like we had a, the first day they like give you this, they kind of give you a download of everything. And I, I really imagine that the, the mountain you go straight up. Like I had this image in my, in my mind, I have no idea why, but it was like from point A to point B and you're just going to walk vertically. And that's, <laughs> really, that's how it happens. I, I don't know if it was stuck in my head. So then they give you this, they, they pull this big map across the table. And it's this huge map of the mountain. And it's like, okay, we're going to go all the way up here. And then we're going to go around here. And then we're going to actually go down. And then we're going to go up again. And then we're going to go down again. And then over and then up. And I was like, this doesn't seem very efficient. Like in my head, I'm like, okay, sir, who has climbed this mountain 300 plus times and was born here and like knows everything. I was like, are you sure? Are you sure this is right? Um, so I think that lesson coming back and looking at goals and stuff is, is just saying yes to the things that feel aligned to what's important and to your values. And even if it's not the biggest and, and like brightest and boldest thing, um, it's something, it's a starting point. And I think that's really important to honor those things that come to our lives as like, okay, if I do this, then maybe this, um, and I think you're only going to get those if you're paying attention and if you reflect on them and, and get everything that you can from them. Um, so now since I've been back, it's just been like, you know, when people ask me to lead work, I say yes. And I figure out what does it mean for that group and um, what's it going to teach me. And then I try and really like apply it to the next time and what can I learn from it? Um, so like I had a gal from, the library asked me to lead work at the library um, on the east side of Des Moines, which is an underserved community and population. And I could get a whole group of people um, very different from what I typically get through Lululemon. And so, um, but it made sense for me to say yes to that because it's like, that's something else. That's something new. I don't know what's going to come from it, but I've learned that saying yes to things can potentially lead to you climbing a mountain. So, you know, that's sort of the lesson in that. So Megs, you're on a podcast called Let's Be Naked, mm -hmm. which, you know, slightly scandalous um, in all <laughs> the good ways. Um, but what do you think, um, we always sort of ask like people at the beginning, just because it sort of helps us get into conversation, which obviously was very easy, but um, <laughs> what, uh, what does vulnerability mean to you? Mm -hmm. And how do you think it's currently showing up in your life, um, either through this, through this experience or because of this experience? Um, just like how, how do you sit with that word right now? Yeah, that's a big one. Vulnerability is still tough for me. I, I think I've been, I've been working on it for probably the last four years ever since someone told me who Brene Brown was. Right. And so that's sort mm -hmm. of my, that was my first like dive into it. Um, and she describes vulnerability, um, very much associated with courage and courage is my number one core value. So, so also, I, also there's a lion tattooed on Megan's back. There is a lion tattooed on my shoulder blade. So, um, like courage is important. And her, her quote, of we can be comfortable or we can be courageous. So we can't be both. Not at the same time. Um, that like speaks to me and that's my, kind of my definition of that value. And so, um, vulnerability is, it's still tough. And I think what really is important is that 
it's okay that it's hard and we allow it to be hard. Um, and, um, uh, for me, it's kind of unpacking and, and taking the opportunities where it does feel like I can access it and, and really like, okay, I'm not going to enjoy this, but let's see what happens. Um, and so right now, actually, it looks like um, I recently started um, therapy. And so that's what it looks like for me is um, like showing up and talking to another human and sometimes crying, which is not my favorite thing to do ever. You wouldn't believe the like physical contortions I put my body into to like not allow myself to cry. But it's cool to like walk into an hour and, and let that happen and see what that looks like. And then see how that means I show up a little bit more um, unguarded in my life. And so that is what vulnerability means to me right now. It's just kind of taking off the armor. Um, and and uh, people often tell me how like tough I am or how whatever. And I guess when you climb a mountain, you kind of give that persona, but um, it's, it's probably less true than people think. So taking that away and just saying like, I'm a normal human. <laughs> I have my things just like anyone else. So that's vulnerability to me. Yeah. That also is what makes you a great teacher. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, I could talk to Megan and Kayla all day, <laughs> but um, we're just going to wrap it up. But I'm so grateful. Thank you so much, Megs. I really appreciate you sharing your story and talking to everyone that's listening. Um, I know it will be of value to someone somewhere, which is really totally. Cool. And I'll be hitting you up whenever Aaron decides he wants to climb this mountain. I guess I'm going to have to go. <laughs> you have to go. If I would, I mean, first of all, thank you guys for the space. Like, honestly, when people ask me to share my story, it's one of my favorite things to talk about, like hands down. I like, I love sharing about it. Um, I love that you guys have created this and everything you do. So like acknowledgement for you guys in making it. Mm-hmm. And um, if I would tell anyone like go climb it, like it's the most amazing experience. I have a company you can go with. Um, but if people have questions, like honestly, reach out. I would answer any question that anyone has. Um, and for it. So, and how can people find you, Megan? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. I live there most days <laughs> more than I probably should. Um, it's Meg McCoy and Meg is actually spelled with an H cause my parents made life just a little tougher. It's okay. My, my tongue was an H too. So exactly. So it's greathumansinc.com If you want to find it, the landing page, um, I can be contacted through that, but that is where you can find it. That is a very exciting name for your website. Yeah, Great Humans Inc. That's my new, that's my latest and greatest company. It's, you heard it here first. Um, <laughs> not a lot of people have heard that. So um, I made it publicly official, but um, that will be how I house um, different offerings. So that is why it needs to get redone. <laughs> Amazing. I love it.